Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to begin to read in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So it may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Consider the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not cared about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name tonight that you will bless each one that's come. Lord, we came for a blessing. We didn't come just to fill up a space of time. We came from a blessing from on high. Lord, you've blessed me so many times with these verses I just read and what I'm going to say. Lord, over and over, they ring in my ears. And I pray, dear God, that you'll help us to keep these sayings and these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I heard Dr. Lee Robson preach a sermon some years ago entitled, The March of Time. And in that sermon, he gave this outline. Number one, the march of time has not changed the fact of sin. Sin is everywhere and on every hand. Number two, the march of time has not changed the fact of man's need. He's a sinner. He needs to be. He needs Christ. Number three, the march of time has not changed God's way of saving men, wholly and completely by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe those three points of outlines that he gave there. God does not change those things. Uh, man is a sinner. Jesus Christ is a Savior. And if you don't take Christ as your Savior, then you're not going to where he's at. And it's just that simple. But today, everything is changing. Nations are changing. Homes are changing. Standards for men and women are changing. Churches are changing. Even in fundamental Baptist churches are changing today. For instance, I've been saved for some 58 years now and serving the Lord ever since I got saved. It used to be that everybody invited people and brought people to church with them. It used to be that every Baptist church had a big Sunday school and hour and followed by a big Sunday morning worship service, preaching service. Now churches are combining Sunday school and church for just one hour service where they can get out at 11.15 and go do whatever they're going to do that day on Sunday. Now, 
I believe this, folks. We need two great hours on Sunday. I told a man here a while back, he, he was talking to me, well, it's been some time ago now, about why don't I ever teach something on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock besides soul winning messages or trying to get people saved. He said most people there are saved. And uh, he was talking, and I mean, he was dogmatic about that thing. I said, sir, if you'd come to Sunday school, you'd learn more than just the 11 o'clock hour. Yes, sir. Because that's the teaching hour. The 11 o'clock hour is to preach the Word of God to get men's souls saved and lives changed. And uh, again, for all these years, Baptist churches have had a big Sunday school service and preaching service and singing and baptizing and a car to sing and special music and taking up offering for service of the Lord, an evangelistic message and an invitation to be saved and serve the Lord. But today... Most churches don't even have a Sunday evening service. There was a man who started coming to our church a few weeks ago, and a job took him out of church. He can't come now like he wants to, but he talked to me about it. He said, Preacher, you know how I found this church? Yours was the only one that was open on Sunday night. And he said, I started coming here. Now, get this. And if when they do come to the evening service, it's a program or they have some kind of play, or they're having a film, or quitting early so people can get back home before dark. And I believe like one old preacher said, I believe or Brother Law said years ago, you know what, we got a, we got a bunch of sissy Christians today. Uh, Dr. Tom Malone said his church, they come to church and I said, why weren't you there Sunday night? He said, oh, I, that night air key. He said, what's the difference in the night air and the daylight air? You know, he said they're looking for excuse of any kind to keep from coming back to church. Now, I believe today we, again, it, it all starts by little changes in service. And again, we're all having a big Sunday evening service. And I, I believe we ought to have it no matter if there's one or two there, if there's a big crowd there. You ought to have a service. Because for this reason... You don't ever know who's going to walk in off the street. Don't know nobody there, and somebody might get saved that night. And that's what it's all about. Also, for as long as I can remember, Baptist churches have had midweek Wednesday night prayer meeting services with prayer and singing and preaching. Did you know that most churches now don't even have all, any of that at all? And if they do, it's, it's business meetings or supper or something else besides preaching. Think of this. If churches keep changing for the next 10 years, just think about this, where will we be as so-called church? I was reading something a while ago that got my mind thinking about this. In the book of Proverbs 22 and verse 28, it talks about removing not the ancient landmarks. Remove not the ancient landmarks. Proverbs 23.10 says the same thing. Hosea 5.10 makes the same statements. I believe we better hold on to old landmarks. Stay true to what has worked for the Lord all these years. I heard of an imaginary machine where if you stood in front of that machine, it would show you any part of your life you wanted to see for 5, 10, or 15 years ahead of it. 
One fine young athlete of a man came and stood in front of that machine, strong in body, muscles, bulging out, everywhere, a champion, a winner. He said, show me my life for 10 years from now. He stood there, turned the machine on, and it came on and showed him a man with a broken body, some fingers cut off, one leg had been amputated, and the story goes, the young man had a nervous breakdown because he could see 10 years out in front of him. Now, we don't need to see 10 years out in front of us. We don't have to worry about the future uh, if we'll do what God says and obey and stand by His Word. Jesus said, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's what I'm saying. Jesus don't change. The Word of God don't change. God don't change. Well, let me ask you something. If that's true, and it is, why should the worship of Him change then? It shouldn't change. It should be the same all the time. Now, I know where we're at today. Uh, it's, uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. Most uh, churches, most church services is all about money. And you can, you can look at it and do what you want to about it, but you'll see it if you watch it. And the more people you get there, the more money you get. And that's just where it's at. And what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, it ought not be about money. It ought to be about things. It ought to be about, let's worship the Lord. Like the Bible says, do it. Now, we know, uh, anybody with any common sense knows you've got to have money, a certain amount, to get keep going with everything. But that's not what it's about. And the, and the problem is, though, that when you get to thinking about expanding, I was at a church and we was running around a thousand in Sunday school. I mean, we had grown out of the wall. And the preacher got all excited, said we would need to build a big auditorium. And he built an auditorium that's a whole 3,500. Now you put a thousand in a 3,500 auditorium and it's just about like the crowd is here tonight in this building. And, and, and let me tell you something, a crowd draws a crowd. It really does. Me and my brother, I've told you this before, me and my brother were down in Suffolk Springs years ago. We used to get down there and we'd stand on the corner and we'd just look up in the sky. We'd stand there and just look up in the sky. And after a while, somebody come up, what are you all looking at? And somebody else come up, look at. And he just kept building. That's why you had a whole bunch of them looking up in the sky at nothing. And a crowd draws a crowd. And, and uh, what they do, what a lot of churches, a lot of preachers, a lot of uh, religious organizations do, uh, they want a crowd, and they want bigger buildings, and they want everything else, and they'll compromise to get that. They say, oh, you can't preach that old-time gospel-type uh, service to have a crowd. You've got to have something new. Always something new. And, and believe this or not, everybody is always looking for something different, something new. They are. I got news for you. God don't change. Listen, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. Amen? You just think about that for just a minute. And be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have occupied therein. 
In other words, don't be concerned about pleasing anybody and your desires. Uh, be concerned about serving the Lord as He is. Just keep on doing the same old thing, serving the Lord. I believe we, we, we safeguard tomorrow by our steadfastness of today. In other words, where we're steadfast today is going to determine what we're going to have our future in. We have to be steadfast on some things. And you cannot be moved by You can't remove the old landmarks. And, the, and the, there was a law in the Old Testament that if you uh, owned a piece of property, you could not sell that piece of property. You couldn't get rid of it. You, knew, you remember Naboth's vineyard? And Ahab stole it from him? You know why he stole it from him? Because he went and said, Nadab, send me, sell me your vineyard. He said, I can't. The, the uh, Jewish law was if that land belonged to you and it was deeded to you, you could not sell it. It had to be passed down to your generation. So Ahab said, well, I'll just kill you then and take it. His wife gave him on about doing it and he did it. And so uh, all through the Bible you find is don't move the landmarks. They're there for a purpose. And they're to keep you steadfast. Now, I want to give you some, if I can, real quickly. We need a new affirmation of our faith. Now, we believe right. There, there is no question about that. But I want to get you. When you come to this independent fundamental Baptist church, you are acknowledged you believe certain things. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And it's just that simple. I, I went to church where I got saved because they taught me how to be saved. And that's where I want to be part of. And as I learn more about my salvation and more of my teaching and more they believe, and I've had people ask, why are you a Baptist? My daddy was brought uh, assembly of God. And when God called me to preach and, and I got saved in the Baptist church, he said, why don't you put Church of God on the front of your church rather than the Baptist church? And really... In the Bible, Church of God, that's what it is. It's God's church, okay? But not in belief like the Church of God teaches. And then what I told him, and I believe, and I didn't even know half what I was saying back then because I didn't understand what I know today when it comes to doctrine. But I said, Daddy, the reason I'm a Baptist is because I believe in the Baptist doctrine of the Scriptures is closer than any other denomination I can find. And that's why I'm here. And that's why we put over our door Baptist, because of the Baptist doctrine. Not just to put Baptist belief, it's the doctrine behind it. Now, uh, we need to take a new affirmation of that faith that we don't weaken and turn from them for nothing or nobody in the world. The danger is that we weaken in our convictions and we turn loose some of the absolutes we have held on to for years. For instance, we believe over inspiration and authority of the Scriptures. We believe the Bible reveals God, the fallen man, the fallen man, the way of salvation, God's plan and purpose in the ages. We believe those things. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the deity, the virgin birth, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe salvation is by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. Now, the condition of salvation is repentance and faith. 
we believe that men are justified by faith alone and are counted righteous before God only through the merit of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Justification is an eternal uh, relationship that can never be broken. Eternal security of the believer is taught in the Bible. We believe in the visible and personal and premillennial return of Christ. We believe in the everlasting uh, uh, blessings of the Lord, of the saved, and everlasting consciousness of punishment of the lost. In other words, I believe I'm going to be alive in heaven. I'm not going to be a ghost floating around on the cloud. Amen. I believe that. And But I also believe that those that go to hell are going to be in hell alive forevermore. They're going to be suffering there. Now that's a doctrine taught from the Scripture. Don't change that. That's taught from the Bible. Amen? People don't want to hear that today. Now listen, we cannot be neutral on these issues. If somebody comes up and starts talking about it, you can't compromise it. There's no time to compromise on the Word of God or Christian living or on the matter of heaven and hell. This is a time of com- uh, to compromise on the way of salvation. You can't do it. There's no time to compromise on the second coming of Christ. He is coming. We need to reaffirm our faith on these things. Now, I believe we would uh, be surprised if we went across Brandon, just Brandon along, and we went to every church in Brandon, Baptist, I don't care what, you'd be surprised of how many people that's going to church today that don't have their faith established in these doctrines. They don't even understand the second coming of Christ. The doctrines are true. And that's what we live on. We need a new affirmation of our faith. Number two, we need a new reconsecration uh, of our lives. There's no time to be neutral. And 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 through 18 said, We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Listen, we need to be uh, reconsecrated our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Rededication of all we have to Jesus. Now, I know a lot of people that think, Well, I went ten years ago and I rededicated my life to the Lord. That's enough. No, we need to rededicate our Lord to the Lord every day of our life. Every morning I get up, I want to start anew for the Lord. This day, I want to be what I ought to be for the Lord. Amen? And we need that. This is what I believe, and I will not compromise for anyone. And that this is where I stand. Now, we need people who will live holy for the Lord. A holy life means power with God. A holy life means answered prayer. A holy life means God's Spirit, Holy Spirit's power upon us to fill us for His glory and His honor. God will not use a dirty vessel. The holy life means we'll uh, hear God one day at the judgment seat of Christ and hear Him say that I good will come in and enjoy the goodness of the Lord, thy faithful servant. That's what I'm looking for. I don't need man's praise. But I sure do want God's praise. Amen. We need a rededication of the major work of the Lord, uh, local church and individual Christian. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, You shall be witnesses unto me. And he gives you the power to do it. And Jesus said that. Most Baptist churches in the Tampa Bay area don't have a baptism in the whole building. 
here a while back. I had a, a man call me and say uh, to me, can I come on a, a Tuesday night and baptize? I said, is, a church, is your church family going to come? No, I'll just bring the individual. No, you can't. That's a church matter. That's not an individual matter. You have to have an assembly of the church, part of the church with you uh, to witness that baptism. Amen? And that's taught in the Bible. A man called me just the other day and said, Can you baptize me on a Friday? i got to go back to Georgia. I was called back there. I wanted to come Sunday and get baptized. I can't. Can you come down and baptize? I know I can't. You come back next week or two when you're down here on Sunday morning and we'll baptize you. I believe that's a church ordinance and not an individual ordinance. Amen? And that's Baptist. I heard a preacher say the other day, 6,000 Baptist churches didn't have one soul saved or baptized in years, in a year's time. Now, soul winning is the dearest thing to the heart of God that I can find in the Bible. That's a major work of the local church and the individual. Now, what this simply means is there's much... There must be a renewal of the visitation of each believer to go after the unsaved and win them to Christ and get this please. Sinners don't just walk into the local church and get saved. You know what Jesus taught? He taught to go into the highways and the hedges and thrust them in. Bring them in. You bring them. That's what we're supposed to do. We must be missionary-minded. We must have a rededication to soul winning. There must be a service to the Lord. Now, these things is a must if, you, if you're going to stay to the old landmarks of serving the Lord and as a church. And I was talking, and, and it, it really bothers me when a pastor resigns any church, uh, a Bible-believing church, and he walks off and leaves a congregation. Or, like this friend of mine that died just last night. That bothers me. He fell over dead. And I, and I told my wife, we need to pray for that church. Mm-hmm. We need to pray for the body of that church. I'm talking about every one of them. And I know that they have, in, in that church, they got. he's organized that church. It's going beautiful for the Lord. He has... Uh, uh, what do you call it, the committees for everything in the world, visitation, cooking dinners, caring dinners, caring for the... He just he had a beautiful program going into church and serving the Lord. And I said to myself, I hope somebody don't come in there now and do away with those things. He's got $15 million worth of buildings. They just paid it all. And, and it's just amazing to me what they has done there and and how he's being able to serve the Lord. And I said, Lord, send somebody now behind him that's going to do the same work and carry on the work that he was doing. And there's a danger in that because every pastor I ever knew in my life wants to come behind the other one and make a name for himself. And he'll start changing everything in the church. And I say, if it's scriptural, don't mess with it. Amen. I told a young preacher here a while back, he, if a church called him, or was going to call him to preach, I said, now listen to me just a second. He said, well, there's a lot of things I want to go in there and change. I said, no, no. 
I said, if you're going to go take that church, you get still for a year. Be still. You go in there and you just preach the Word of God. That's all you do. Just preach the Word of God. Don't you make a change in that church for one year. I don't care what's going in there. You just preach the Word of God. And you win people to Christ. And you win their love. And you win their trust first. And then you can make some changes if you want to, if they're scriptural. And brother, I believe that. Yeah, you get somebody that uh, that loves the Lord and sticks to the old landmarks and wants to do right by God, and I believe this, you will have people that will follow you. But you've got to stick to it. And it scares me to death. Uh, it just bothers me. I know God's in charge, and He's going to do what He wants done. But uh, it, I know a lot of churches go through hard times because of it. And uh, so just pray for the church, if you would, please. But let's stick to the old things. Amen. I still like good old gospel saying. I never will forget a family visit just a few months ago. And uh, they was from somewhere or another. And they come up to me after church and he said, You know what I love about this church? First time they come here, he said, I just love this church. You know, He said, One of the things I like about it, you sing out of the hymns. Yeah. Amen. The old time fashion songs out of the hymn book. I said, what have you been going to? He said, they got a screen up there sing with the bouncing ball. Amen. I used to do that when I was about nine or ten years old in the movies. Amen. Sing with the bouncing ball. Here you go. But no, sing out the old hymn and sing together, praise the Lord. You know, it wouldn't hurt for some Baptist to learn to say hallelujah once and praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. I'm not dead yet. And I got feelings, and every once in a while I just tear loose. Of course, I do it in my shower, but. <laughs> Stand with me, would you please? Heavenly Father, it's so good to be saved tonight and know it, and know the doctrines of the Word of God. And Lord, as long as I have breath, I pray that you give me the Holy Spirit's power.